This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. So tonight we're going to learn some very fascinating things that I've never spoken about before. Mitzvah Hashem. We're going to learn a chidah. Um, okay. Before we, get to, before we get to the chidah, so there's a very famous fight that went on in this week's parsha between the Satan, between the Malach of Esau and Yaakov. So let's take a look at this fight for a moment. Right, someone, whoever's phone is ringing, like, hello. Yaakov was left um, by himself. And a man fought with him. Now the word Vayavek means, the word Vayavek comes from the word Avak. Avak means dust. So really it should say Vayilcham Imo. He went to war with him. He had a fight with him. But well, that's not what it says here. It says that the Malach Vayyavek, right, which is which is the word dust, ish with ish imo, until the morning star came up. and he realized he could not win this battle that they were having, so he hit him and he dislocated his um, his hip, and that's of course why we don't need from the Gedanosha. And the Malach asked Yaakov, "What is your name?" Yaakov was a nice guy, so when he said Vayyameila he said, my name is Yaakov. So then he named him Yisrael. Oh, it's this phone. Who gave me the phone over here? It's snoozing. There's an alarm on it right now that's going off. So I don't, know, I don't want to play with the phone. So whoever's phone this is, you got to get this. I'm wondering, like, whose phone is ringing? You just got to get the snooze off. Not a problem. See, I was already being questioned. Someone had their phone that was ringing, and it, that wasn't what was happening. Okay, anyway... So, um, so the question here is, so the Malach asked Yaakov what's his name? He said Yaakov. Okay, it's good. He said, okay, if it goes off again, we'll, no, it's her phone. She's taping this. It's fine. It's fine. So, so, um, so he asked Yaakov, what's your name? He answered him. Now Yaakov asked the Malach, what's your name? Yaakov said, what's your name? But the Malach doesn't answer. The Malach says, Lama Zetishalishmi, why are you asking me my name? And he gave him a bracha. He never gave him his name. So the question is, the Malach asked Yaakov his name. He said Yaakov. Now the Yaakov asked back the Malach his name, and he says, What are you asking me my name for? Now we know this Malach was not a Jewish Malach, right? Because it was the Malach of Esav. It was the Satan. So Jewish people, when you ask us a question, we answer you with a question. But he definitely wasn't a Jewish angel. So why did he answer with a question? He said, what's your name? He said, why are you asking my, my name? And then he never said his name, and, and Yaakov never asked him again. By the way, uh, I want to know your name. He never told him his name. So the question is, first of all, Yaakov knew his name. Yaakov knew he was fighting the whole night with the Satan. He knew he was fighting with the Malach of Esau. So why did he ask him his name? He knew exactly who he was fighting with. So the answer to the first question is such an important answer. The first question is, why do we use the word Vayi'avek? That they were having this fight and it was causing dust. So, so Rashi says that the dust from the fight went all the way up to the Kisar Kavod. Went all the way up to God's throne. Come on. I mean, they were fighting in the dirt and the dust and the dust went up. And it went all the way to Shemayim. What are you talking about? Well, how, how could dust come from earth and reach where Hashem sits? What's going on over here? The Teretz is very beautiful. And the Teretz is that the Satan knew 
that he's never going to get rid of Judaism because God swore that the Jews would live forever. Judaism will never leave this world. So the Sultan knew that. So the Sultan wasn't trying to take Yiddishkeit, Judaism, out of the world. He was trying to take the beauty of Yiddishkeit, of Judaism. What does dust do? Any woman that has a house, we dust it all the time, right? Because your furniture, no matter how nice it is, if it has dust on it, it loses its shine. If you have silver and it's full of dust, right, the silver loses its shine. So the, the Pasuk says, by your Avek Ish Imo, the Satan's fight with Yaakov was, I know that you're going to keep the Torah, but I want to take the beauty of being a Jew away. I want to take the beauty of Tznius, the beauty of Shabbos, the beauty of Pesach, the beauty of Hanukkah. So, yeah, you're going to keep Hanukkah, yeah, you're going to keep Pesach, yeah, but it's not going to be something that's beautiful. Beautiful is a house, beautiful is a car, beautiful is a girl, a dress, uh, a, a, a painting. But Tyra? When the last time someone said, wow, that Torah you just told me was beautiful. Right? Shabbos was beautiful. Getting dressed with a skirt and being sneers, that's beautiful. Not, oh my God, I have to get dressed like this, because that's what Hashem said. So the Yitzhahorah fight with Yaakov was to take the beauty out of Yiddishkeit. And where did he hit him? He hit him in his thigh. He actually hit him in his groin. And the reason that he hit him in his groin was because that's a sign of children. And he said to Yaakov, at the end of, when the morning star came out and he realized that he could not beat Yaakov, he said, I might not be able to beat you, but in 2013 and many generations from now, I am going to dislocate your children. That's why he hit him in his Yerecho, because that represents the generations to come. And he said, I know that they're going to be Jews keeping Shabbos and Sneas and Pesach. I know that. He says, but what I'm going to do and what this war is all about is to take the beauty of Yiddishkeit. Who feels that Judaism is a beautiful religion or it's a beautiful thing to be a Jew? Sometimes we try to hide that we're, that, that, that we're Jewish. Just the opposite. You know, the Goyim have the beautiful life. We don't have such a beautiful life. And that was this war. And Rashi's saying something very deep here. That at the end of the day, okay, so Yishkek's not so beautiful. You know, there's a very famous story with Ramesha Feinstein. That there was a, a, a man in the, old, in, the, in the 40s, in the 30s, in the 20s. So Jews used to get fired every week because they used to, all the factories were open on Saturday. So they would not hire you if they knew that you weren't going to work on Saturday. They would not hire you. So they would never tell them that they're not going to work on Saturday. So they would get a job on Sunday, work till Friday, not come in on, on Shabbos. And then when they came back to, to work on Monday, they would fire him. What do you mean you didn't come in on Saturday? So never, they had to, to get a new job in a new factory every single week. They were losing their jobs. So there was this one man, he had three sons. And Lamaisa, he was, he was Meiser Nefesh. Every week he got fired. He could not stay with a job because he kept Shabbos. And then his three boys grew up, and every single one of them became a Machal Shabbos. Every one of the three boys didn't keep Shabbos. It's a famous story. So this man went to Ramay Feinstein, he lived on the east side, and he said to Ramay Feinstein, I don't understand. That's the reward Hashem gives to me. I was Meisha Nefesh. I lost a job every single week, and all three of my boys now don't keep Shabbos? How could that be? How could someone who's Meisha Nefesh, 
his three kids don't come out being Shem Shabbos. So Rabbi Feinstein asked him, so tell me, when you, when you used to come home Friday night, you sat at the table and you knew that you're not going to have a job anymore in the place that you were working, what did you tell your kids? What, what did you tell the family? So he said, I used to sit at the table and I used to say, Oi, Azoi Shvertz is so hard being a Jew. He says, so your children grew up hearing their father saying, it's so hard to be a Jew. So why would they want to do something that's so hard? So of course they went off to Derek. If you would have come home and said, I'm so happy that for, for God, I'm losing my job. I know I'm not going to have a job. This is amazing. I'm giving Mesiraz Nefesh. For Shabbos, they would have all been from. You came home and you crutched. It's so hard to be a Jew. How careful we have to be with our children when they're not doing so well in school and we tell them, do you know how hard it is for me to pay your tuition? <laughs> and then we don't understand why those kids send their kids to public school. Because their whole life they're growing up hearing how hard it was for parents to pay tuition. So they're like, I don't want any part of this. Why would I look at my mother's always complaining she doesn't have money for tuition and she doesn't have money for tuition and she doesn't have money for tuition and, and, and to have a seat with Shani Yom Kippur it costs so much to go to shul so all these kids of course are going to go off to Derach. Why would I want to do something that bothered my mother? So the, what happens in the end and what Rashi is saying that once the religion becomes dusty and it's not shining anymore and it's not beautiful anymore that dust will reach God will reach where God sits. And in the end, God will not be anything to you either. God will not be shiny. God will not be beautiful. The dust, if Yiddishkeit, it's an unbelievable Rashi, if Judaism becomes to the Jew something that they have to do and it's not beautiful, in the end, God will become something that's not beautiful. I just have to do it because he's the boss. Because he could take my life. But my relationship with God will not be a beautiful life. So the Satan was looking to cause this dust of taking the beauty out of Yiddishkeit to go all the way up to the Kisar Kavoy, that the beauty of God will disappear. And as we see in our generation, God is not doing well in our generation. Everyone is blaming him for everything. The people either, they don't believe in God, or it's his fault there was a typhoon in the in Philippines and 10 people died. So the people who believe in God Oh, what a terrible God. Look what happened. 10,000 people died. And the other people are like, we don't even believe in God. So what's happening is that religion, our religion, a lot, I mean, every religion, but our religion is becoming something that's rote. That you have to do. But, but Shabbos is not something beautiful by us. We're not having our kids put on plays and sitting at the table and talking about the family and taking our little kindle up to shul and making Shabbos beautiful. I grew up in a house where Shabbos was beautiful. Everything my father did on Shabbos was a contest and a game. And, 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 and at Friday night, as tired as he was, and I've told you this a hundred times, as tired as he was after the meal, he sat down on the couch with my mother. And from when I was seven years old, we put on a, we put on a Pasha play. I was a little teeny kid, and on Friday, I had to prepare that play with my brother, and we had to do props, and my father and mother would sit there 10 minutes, and we'd put on this play. So I have no, I have no stage fright. I'm, 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 I'm on stage since I'm seven years old. It wasn't Broadway, okay? But it's true. I'm serious. And I knew the Pasha better than any other kid in my class, because I lived the Pasha. 
Right? We did all kinds of stuff. We stuffed pillows. Whatever we did, me, my brother, and my sister, the three people, we, my parents only had three kids. We put on a play from when I was seven years old till I was 12. And every year, we wrote new stuff, and Shabbos was amazing. We had to prepare a play. And my father always brought home from the city, he would bring home flowers for Shabbos. I remember like, and he'd bring home cookies that we didn't have a whole week, and he'd bring home food that we didn't have a whole week. He would go to the east side for one thing, then he would go to, to, to uh, Washington Heights to get yekachalas, and he came home Shabbos, all these different things for Shabbos. It was beautiful. And now today, yes, a lot of food gets thrown out of my house. My wife does not understand. What? How many dips can we eat, Right? And I go to pomegranate or wherever I go Thursday night, and I spend a lot of time. It's very relaxing. And I buy fruit, and I buy dips. And then Shabbos, by Shabbos day, I have one store I like their olive dip, and the other store I like their dyed coleslaw, and this store I like their muffins. And I spend the whole Friday going from one store to the other. My wife has never bought a flower for Shabbos. I go to the flower store, and I buy the flowers for Shabbos. Where does that come from? Where does that come from? From my parents. That was my father. I mean, he put on the table, in those days, chickpeas, he, he bought on the east side, and, and Grieven, he bought somewhere else. And he went all over New York on Friday, and, and, and he used to, that was his day off, so to say, because he was a traveling salesman, and he, Shabbos was very special in our house. And he had his tea, and we had our watermelon, we had our dessert, and there was no fruit like today where you have fruit in the winter, peaches and plums and all that stuff from Chile. It didn't exist. They weren't flying fruit or bringing fruit from, from South America. There was one store on the west side that had fruit, summer fruit in the winter. There was one store. There was no such thing as getting watermelon in the winter. I mean, you don't, you don't remember those days, but there was, you had apples and oranges and bananas. That's it. That's all you had a whole winter. Now everything comes in from Chile from everywhere else. He went every single Friday... And we had watermelon. He went and he bought watermelon. It was very expensive. He bought watermelon for Shabbos, even though it was coming from South America, wherever it was coming from. And Shabbos is, to me, is just a very, very special day. But so many of my friends who used to come to my house for Shabbos, their Shabbos table was boring. Their parents just wanted to get finished with it. So today, they don't have, I don't meet them shopping. They're not interested in shopping. You go shopping for Shabbos? Call, you know, just call it in. Let the Mexican guy bring it in. You know, what, what are you doing? Just order it. And I'm like, order it? I buy the flowers. Not only that, I'll tell you, I'll tell you a step further that my father over Shalom never even realized what he was doing. He always brought two different flowers. Because on, on a rose, you make a bore atse besamim. Because atse means wood. And the, the stem of a rose is very, is very hard. It's like thorns and it's very hard. So on a rose, you make a bore atse besamim. On every other flower, you make a bore isve besamim. And on Shabbos, you have a problem because you don't have a mayor brachas. You don't have a hundred brachas. Because we don't have the Shema Esther with 18 brachas in it three times. So you're supposed to buy food and buy flowers to make extra brachas. My father always brought home roses and some other flower that had a smell. Whatever it was. And it was very specific that he brought home flowers. And at that time, it's not like today. Today, everyone buys flowers for showers. In those days, very few people bought flowers for showers. When I opened up my high school six years ago, so the... The girls of my high school weren't keeping Shabbos at all. They were totally disconnected from Shabbos. They had whatever. They went through a lot in their life, and they were angry at the system, and angry at Shabbos, and angry at God, and angry at everybody. And maybe they had reason to be angry with the things that they went through. But okay, so I had to connect them to Shabbos somehow. And I didn't know how to connect them to Shabbos. As much as I spoke about Shabbos, it wasn't working. So one day, I was in the flower store, and I was buying flowers for my wife, and I said, you know what? Why don't I buy flowers for the girls? 
I'll give every single girl a rose for Shabbos. So through the rose, she'll be connected to Shabbos. A rose is something very beautiful. Subconsciously, rose, Shabbos, rose is beautiful, right? Rose has a lot of emotion connected to it. Automatically, you're getting it for Shabbos. So sublime in, her, in their brains, Shabbos, rose, it's going to become one. Maybe it'll, it'll make a difference. So I decided I'm buying every girl a rose, and, I, and each rose is wrapped in, sol- in the plastic. Every girl gets a rose. I haven't missed, Leanne Hara, I haven't missed since that time. Was that maybe the second week of, of, of school? It's now six years every single Friday. The guy knows already. There's 24 roses. Each one is wrapped separately, and I bring it to school, and every single girl gets a rose. Okay, the first time I did it, I got into a lot of trouble because some girl put on her Facebook, you're not going to believe it, Red Walton gave me a rose. <laughs> it was not good at all. And everyone was saying, we knew this would happen. You shouldn't teach girls. And I'm like, I can't believe you put that. So I got smart, and now I sort of give it to the secretary to give to them. Or sometimes I just say, do not put this on your Facebook. <laughs> and every week, they get a different color. It's a yellow and a white and a red and a red and a yellow and a yellow and a red. And every single week, I try to give them a different color. And then one day, two years ago, a girl says to me, well, now these are girls that don't keep Shabbos. Well, if you're buying us a flower for Shabbos, what's with the chillant? How come you're not buying us chillant for Shabbos? And I'm like, you're girls. Girls don't eat chillant. And they're like, what? Exactly. So I said, okay. Okay. So every Friday, pomegranate is nice enough to donate to BCA a huge pan of chillant. And let me tell you, I didn't know this about girls. <laughs> it lasts maybe six minutes before it's totally empty. A pan of chillant, a pan of kugel, and a rose. And they have Shabbos. And they have a connection to Shabbos. And I have to tell you that there are girls that have graduated and said to me, and married, and said to me, Rabbi Wallerstein, the thing I miss, I'm in seminary, is in seminary in Eretz Yisrael. They don't give me a rose for Shabbos. I miss that rose. Because I was brought up in a house that the flowers we had to make, we made a bracha, and we made two different brachas, and Shabbos was beautiful. The, the Yitzhahara did not put dust on my father's Shabbos table. But that's his kayach, that's what he wants to do. He wants to make it just something that's boring and read the bina, and then when you finish the bina, right, read the next thing, and then read the next thing, and just sit in your room and read and read and read and read, and have nothing to do with the beauty of Shabbos, right? It's very nice to read all these things, but that's not what Shabbos is all about. I'm very sorry, it's not what Shabbos is all about. Shabbos is to sit at the table and to talk to your kids and to talk to each other and brothers and sisters to talk to each other and parents and like make plans for the week and see if you were able to do what you wanted to do and say, I have to tell you something very beautiful that I found out three weeks ago. Somebody came into my office and they're like, Wallace, you're not going to believe it. Oh, nuts. Has these little baggies called Parsha baggies that they have five things that are going on in the Pasha and they put candies in the bag that have to do with the things that are going in the Pasha. For instance, last, and I started buying, I have Canara and 10 grandchildren, so every Friday, right, it's three, it's 3.39, so 10 of them is like 35 bucks. It's not cheap, right? 
But I remember my father and I remember the plays. So every Friday I go and I buy these bags. Now, last week was very interesting because he slept on stones. So they had these rock candies. Serious. And my grandchildren are like, what is this? Right? And I'm like, it's rock candy. They don't know what rock candy is. And I'm like, you know why? And they have this paper on the, on the plastic bag that the candy comes in. And it says rock candy for the rocks that he slept on. Um, red, red, red hots for the lentil, red lentils that Asa drank, right? And you're laughing and you don't understand. The minute I walk Friday afternoon, the minute I walk into my daughter's house, the first thing is like, did you get the bags with the Pasha stuff? Yiddish cut is beautiful. Shabbos is candy. Shabbos is children. Shabbos is growing. Shabbos is davening. Shabbos is lighting candles. Shabbos is eating. Shabbos is sleeping. That's all part of it. There's a spiritual part and a physical part. But Shabbos is beautiful. It is what you make it. The Satan stayed up all night to say, I will make it boring. I will make Pesach boring. You're going to have to go to Florida, right? You're going to have to go to Florida for Pesach. Every hotel is sold out, right? Because Pesach itself is boring. But if you go to Florida and there's an ocean, you go swimming, you can lay in the sun, you can get tan like a matzah, you lay there more than 18 minutes, right? And... So everyone's like, yeah, I can't stay home. If I stay home for Pesach, that's boring. We got to go to a hotel in Aruba, right? In Greece. And I don't know where they're going this year, right? Because Pesach is boring. And, 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 and making Mara is boring. And, you know, I talk about this always Pesach. And, and last year, Landau's was sold out. 99 cents for salt water. And they're sold out. They're sold out. People can't make their own salt water. I said... I said, I really, I came to buy, I came, I know that they sell salt water, so I came to buy salt water to show my class. And they're like, we're sold out. <laughs> I'm like, you sold out on salt water. People, because it's disgusting. Pesach is disgusting. Why should I make salt water? Right? So the charosis is pre-made, the mara is pre-made, the lettuce is pre-washed, the matzahs are pre-made. So what are you doing? You set the table? No, the maid set the table. Right? So what did you do for Pesach? Besides fetch. So Pesach became something that to have Pesach at home, it's dusty. So we have to all fly. You know, Rabbi Eli Mansur always says, uh, I can only say because he said, he says, how do, how, do the, how do my Syrian people in my shul, how do they prepare for Pesach? They pack. <laughs> what do they do? They go to the attic. What do they do? They take out two suitcases. He said, I didn't say it. Right? But this is what, this is what happened in our generation. The whole Yiddishkeit became something that's, that's not beautiful to us. And the truth is, I was just... Um, I was just at a, I just came from a, tonight from an engagement. So I met this guy who who's does the same thing that I do. And he, he looks at me and he says, I have to tell you one thing. You know, we both are involved with all these kids that are going through whatever they are. He says, Rabbi Wallstein, isn't it great? Danny, Rabbi Danny Mechanic, he says, isn't it great that we're from? I said, Danny, what are you saying? He says, isn't it great? We can come home for a Shabbos and we can sit in front of a Gemara. We don't need to do drugs to get away. We learn to get away. He says, isn't that amazing? Imagine if we didn't have all this. I, I would go out of my mind. He says, imagine if we didn't have this. Isn't this beautiful? Because all the kids and all the people that are looking for all the action and the nightclubs and the rock and roll and that whole world out there, which I'm going to talk about in two minutes. I was very nice to you tonight, by the way. Because last Tuesday night, I did a whole thing with a goldfish, and you would be all jumping out of your chairs if I did it here. I did it many years ago, and the women got very upset, so I was very nice. I'm just going to tell you the story without taking my little chayola, my little goldfish, out of the uh, 
tank and putting her in my hands and watching her jump and down and die in front of you, which would make you all crazy, right? I never let her die, but you watch her suffer, and there's a reason, but, oh, Rabbi Walton, how could you do that, right? There's no Tzabalachayim by a fish, by the way. Fish have no nerves. So that's why we don't have to shecht fish, and that's why we don't have to, we can let them just die. Guess what? All the fish that you eat in the tuna, all the tuna fish that you're like looking at me like, oh. So they have this big net and all the tuna, they pull it up, and they drop it in the boat without water, and they all jump up and down, and they all die. And then they put them in a can, and you put mayonnaise on it, and you put it in a sandwich with lettuce. So I only have little chayla jumping around. They have hundreds and thousands of tunas. But it doesn't bother any of you. You don't say, well, I'm not eating that tuna. Right? Right? What do you, how do you think fish die? You think they go to every fish? They have 10,000 fish in a net and say, come here. Bang. You next. Bang. You know how much your tuna fish would cost then? $500 a can. They just, they, they take it out of the water. When fish are out of water, they die. That's what happens. You don't have to shuck the fish because it doesn't have, doesn't have nerve endings. But anyway, we'll get to the fish at the end of the, at the end of this year. So, at the end of the day, the truth is that, that, that I, I'm dealing with a lot of kids that are wearing girls that are wearing pants, they're doing drugs, they're going to nightclubs, they're being physically with boys, they're listening to rap. None of them are happy. None of them. Not one of them will say, I am in a good place. They're depressed. All these kids that are doing all this, they're taking drugs because they're depressed. They're cutting because they're depressed. They're anorexic because they're in a bad place. They're not having a good time. So it was interesting when Rabbi Mechanic said it to me tonight. I'm like, you know what? You are so right. You know what I did today? I went to Davin. I gave a share in the morning to two, to, to a bunch of women. I learned. I Davin. Okay, I only go to the mikvah Erev Shabbos. But people go to the mikvah every day. I went to the mikvah. I took a shower. And I got up. I said, Moldani. I had lunch and I washed and I made brachas. I don't need drugs. I don't need to cut myself. I don't need a nightclub. I am very happy being a Jew because the dust, Baruch Hashem, because of the parents who brought me up, there's no dust on my silver. I love this. I love saying, Hashem Elokeinu, Hashem Echad, you are my God, you are one. I love saying, Habaycher ba'amu Yisrael ba'ahava. You chose me with love. Wow. That's amazing. And then, it's interesting, right? First, Hashem says, before you tell me how much you love me, I'm going to tell you how much I love you. So if you look at Kriyashma, before you say Kriyashma, you always are saying, you love me first. So in this relationship, God's saying, I don't expect you to love me unless you know that I love you. So first we make a bracha always, then we say Shema Yisrael. Wow. So, now you say, well, Ray Walton, you're like a freak of nature. You actually enjoy what you're doing. And the, and the answer is, no, I'm not at all. And it's just the opposite. If you get dressed and you cover your body and you go outside and you say, I don't want people to look at my body. I am not a cat crossing the street. I am not a dog being walked by somebody else. I am a woman. And there's a lot more to me than body parts. So I am proud to be able to cover my body and still be something in this world, not just some zoo person in a, in a cage that's going to walk down the street and some guys are going to whistle at me. 
What are they whistling at? Do they know anything about you? Your emotions? What you're going through in life? What hurts you? What you care about? They know anything about you. So we're getting so excited that they're looking at you and that when you go to a wedding and you're not dressed correctly, that the boys on the other side are looking at you. What are you getting excited? Ooh, look, they're looking at me because you're wearing a tight skirt or a short skirt. What are you getting excited about? What are they looking at? They're not looking at you. They're not looking at you. They don't even know your name. They don't know what makes you tick. They don't know anything about you. They don't care anything about you. They're looking at what you're showing them, a bunch of body parts. That's what you're excited about? That guys like girls' body parts? Wow. Somebody should have told you that in seventh grade. You have to go to a wedding to find that out? And you come home and say, look at that. All the guys were looking at me. They weren't looking at you. They don't even know who you are. So it's just the opposite. When a woman gets dressed sneerstick, and she's a, she walks out and she says, I'm a person. I'm the queen of England. The queen of England doesn't wear miniskirts. Now, if I told you that the queen of England walked out in a miniskirt, you would all start laughing. Elizabeth in a miniskirt? Are you crazy, Rabbi? Why are you laughing? Because you can't imagine the Queen of England in a miniskirt. She just doesn't belong in a miniskirt, Rabbi. She's a queen. She's royalty. She can't wear a miniskirt. That's crazy. That's disgusting. Queen Elizabeth in a miniskirt? That's disgusting. She's the Queen of England. So you... If you don't get dressed sneerstick, it means that you don't feel, you feel like you're a peasant. You feel like you're a peasant. So you don't feel the beauty in sneers. You don't feel the beauty of what a woman really is. She's not a bunch of body parts, but she's a human being that has emotions, that's spiritual, much more spiritual than any guy. Way above us. You should be jumping up every morning after you make that bracha. Oh my gosh, Wallerstein, with all his speeches, with all his stuff, can't say he's the will of God. And me, I can make this bracha every morning. If Rabbi Wallstein tomorrow morning gets up in shul and says, Baruch atah Hashem al-Kher al-Khalam, first of all, everyone's going to walk away from me. Right. <laughs> You've been teaching girls too long. Okay? But second of all, I have to say, Baruch Hashem Kabbalah, Machus al-Yolam Ved, Bracha Vatala. Rabbi Wallstein can give a million speeches, be the biggest sadik in the world. Rabbi Feinstein couldn't say, Shoshani Kertzono. And every girl in this room can. Every woman in this room can say Shasani Katsono. And if Chaim Kainetsky makes this role, you go for brachas, the God, no, he can't make that bracha. Whoa! Check that out. So now the question is, when you make the bracha Shasani Katsono, are you lying? Or are you telling the truth? So now you gotta think about what you looked at last night and how you're acting. And you have to say every morning, a woman has to have a thought that a man doesn't. And she has to say, Am I the will of God? I just made a bracha. Blessed are you, the God of the world. You made me your will. I am the nurturer. I am the creator. That's why we can't make that bracha. You have children. You nurture children. Your bodies are built to nurture children. Men cannot nurture children. We can't do that physically. So you have a bracha. You say, I am the will of God. I am a nurturer. I am a creator. The guy on the other side of the mechitza, uh uh-uh. uh. He says, Thank you that I'm not a woman because I can put on tillin and scissors. That's the whole reason that we make that brach. So you make a brach, and then what do you do? You are way above us, and then you're willing to sell yourself way below us? That men should look at you? 
What are you doing? You're selling yourself so short. People don't understand that. So what is he going to say? Okay, we're all saying it. Uh, at the end of the day, it's very nice he gave a speech, but you know what? I just went to a, uh, I just went to a vart and there were like 30 girls in. I did what you told me to do. I covered myself from here to the floor and, and, and I was all sneeistic and all the guys were looking at the three girls in the corner with the tight skirts. So it's a nice speech you gave, but no one looks at me. At the end of the day, very nice speech, but nobody looks at me and nobody wants to go out with me. And I'm like, so. You want to go out with those guys that are looking at the three girls in the corner? What's going to happen with those guys? Let's go a little further. So they see this girl who's not dressed correctly. So they are parts buyers. They're looking for girls' body parts. So now you're right. They gave her all the attention and not you. Thank God. So they're going to marry one of those girls. And ten years down the road... That girl's going to find out that that boy that she married, that was looking at her because she was wearing a tight skirt, is having an affair with his Italian secretary. And she's going to get very upset. How could you do this to me? I don't understand. I married you? Are you having an affair? And I say to her, why are you shocked? He is a body part buyer. You were selling body parts. He bought those body parts. So if that's what he is, he's not deep enough Right? To want a person who has something going on emotionally and spiritually, if that's all he's interested in, because some girl is standing in the corner with a tight skirt, and he said, oh, I want to talk to her. I want to go out with her. So if that's what you were selling, and that's what he was buying, so 10 years down the road, he's going to find better one. So he's going to have this 19-year-old Italian working for him. He's going to say, well, I got new body parts. What do I need to be with a... She had three kids already. What do I need to be with her for? So I said, you created a monster. When you wore the short skirt and you attracted this guy, that's what you get. But the girl who's at Snua, she's not attracting that guy because he's not looking for that. So he goes out with her and he starts to talk to her and he says, whoa, this girl is chesed and this girl has rachamim and this girl has midos. And she gets along with her parents and on the, all the dates she never talked one bad word about anybody my goodness, look what I'm getting. I'm getting Rachel Emanu over here, right? So what is a 19-year-old Italian girl in his office going to do for him? He don't want no part of that. He he was attracted to someone who was Kaddish. The Italian girl is Tame, who's just the opposite. If you were selling Kedusha and he bought Kedusha, then that's not what he's looking for. But if you're selling Tuma and he bought Tuma, what are you getting? What are you surprised? So you're, you're upset that, no, that these guys are not giving you attention? You don't want these guys, because it's not going to last. And some of you are thinking, yeah, yeah, good speech, not true. I'm different, he's different, they're different, all the Yitzhara, they're all, everything's different. But it's not different. I'm doing this for 36 years. I see, I've been in this for a long time. And I'm one of the rabbis that's unusual, because I teach girls and I teach boys. So I understand both of them, or I don't understand both of them. I know, I'm not exactly sure, right? But I know what the boys think and I know what the girls think. So I'm not talking off the top of my head. And I never see after 10 years what happens and after 5 years what happens. And Chas Hashem, all these situations that Klai Yisrael is going through. And, and the Maisa, that, again, it's not 100% sure that a guy, if you sneeze, he'll never do anything wrong. Listen, he still has to, you know, you have to have to smile. But the chances are much, much different, that's for sure. So sneeze is beautiful. A person who's at Snua, that's beauty. The Goyim are, are attracted. I don't want to say more than the Jews. The Goyim are attracted. The girls who go to college, all the Goyim start up with them. What's with the long skirt? 
Hello, you got a bunch of miniskirts and pants and girls that aren't even dressed in college. Why are you coming to the Jewish girl? She's wearing a long dress. She came out of Beis Yaakov. Her buttons are closed. Her dress is long. Why are all the guys starting up with this girl? You got everything you want in college, right? What are you coming to her for? And the answer is, they see the beauty in Tzniyas. We don't see it. They see it. So they're attracted to it. It's called chain and it's called beauty. And that's what, that's what a Jewish girl has. And the Satan wants to take that beauty away. So how do you take that beauty away? By showing body parts. Body parts, you like everybody else. But if it's so good to be a woman, why do you say Shalosan Isha? I said because we don't, a woman, a woman doesn't have the mitzvah of tillin. And the woman doesn't have the mitzvah of tzitzes. So men, in the morning, we thank Hashem that if you would have made me a woman, right, I wouldn't have been able to run on tzitzes and tzitzes. But the, but Shalosan Isha is much bigger. Why, why did you say Shalosan Ish, Right? Right? Because you can't make that bracha shalai sani ish. Because that's saying, it's thank you Hashem that I'm not, I don't have a chiyav mitzvah of davening three times a day. Thank you Hashem that I don't have a mitzvah of limanat Torah. Thank you Hashem that I don't have tillin, that I don't have tzitzit. So a woman doesn't say shalai sani ish. She has a much higher bracha. Her bracha shalai sani And I can tell you, I teach boys and I teach girls. There's no comparison. There is no comparison in the spirituality. I'm not saying the knowledge. The spirituality of a girl and a boy there is no comparison. It's not even, we're not even, we're not even close. We're not, we're not even close. In, in the rachamim, in the emotional side, in the spirituality side, well, when it comes to emotions, women are not very smart. I'm sorry, with all respect to everyone here. When it comes to emotions, you're, you're a bit challenged. I'm saying, I'm saying it very nicely. Because, because any guy knows we know we're hunters and we know exactly what to say and you fall for it every single time. And we just know exactly what you want to hear. We know exactly how to get to you. And, it, you know, and, and, and today boys are even much smarter and they have, you know, it's different pickup lines and it's like, you know, ever since I met you, Hanel, I have to tell you, you know, that ever since I met you, my kibbut of aim, it has totally changed. And, 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 and since I met you, I have never missed Minion. And this girl's like, Wow, Rabbi Wallerstein, do you know what I did? I got this boy, he's from because of me. And I'm like, are you guys like Shemini Gia? Oh no, no, we're not Shemini Gia, but he goes to Minion. I'm like, hello, Kares, Minion, you're not doing such a good job, right? But, no, it, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter, as long as you think, why, because you're all maternal. You're born maternal. Right? And what does maternal mean? Maternal means that you always want to take care of something. Right? You always want to take, that's why girls have dolls. As children. This is not, this is psychology. I'm not telling you to be chadushim. Boys should not be playing with dolls, right? Um, <laughs> girls play with dolls. Why do girls play with dolls? Because they're maternal. So they have to have a Barbie and Barbie with a baby and, and all these others, right? They all, and they love pets and they love to have a dog and they love to have a cat. They always want to be taking care of something. So we, the guys, we plugged into that. So we now, now, we know that you want to take care of somebody. So I'm a Nebuch and I'm Tzibrochen and I could even be a drug addict. And since I met you, I went clean. And you're like, your maternal instincts are like, whoa! I have a boy that I could take care of. I know a yeshiva where 80% of the boys are woken up for shots, I'm serious, by girlfriends. They call them, they wake them up. And the ma- the man means some kind of disability. We have, a, we have different disabilities. We're not talking about personal life, sister. What? I'm, I'm saying, I said emotionally. 
<laughs> no, just the opposite. Because you're so emotional, you can, you can be fooled. Listen, we, uh, I hate to say it, you know, women, women can be fooled. Never, a lot of women fall into very bad situations because they trust, because they're maternal, because they want to take care of somebody. And, and, and yeah, when it comes to emotions... And the reality we, is that man cannot take care of himself. For sure not. What do you mean? What are you talking about? When, when, a, when a woman gets sick, right... The men never, we can't take care of a wife. No, a man can't take care of a wife. When the man gets sick, all of a sudden the whole world ends. I'm dying! I can't walk! I can't talk! Help! Right? A woman gets sick. She's like, she's like the same woman pretty much. She just slowed down a teeny, teeny little bit. No, there's no question. I'm not, I'm not putting down women, just the opposite. I'm just saying when it comes to emotions, yeah, yeah, they're very challenged. And, 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 and you can't, you can, you can play with a woman's emotions. You can really hurt her. You could play with her emotions. You could tell her things, and she believes you. And I, I deal with a lot of girls today, and a lot of girls get hurt. They really, really get hurt, and they really believe what guys are telling them. And all of a sudden, these guys disappear in their life, and they're just a number on a wall in the dormitory that they made a check. And it's very, very sad. And I tell the girls, and every girl thinks you're wrong, you're right about every guy. Guys are, but my chayim that I'm going out with, he's different. And then they find out that he's not different. And they get very hurt, and they get very tzibrachim. And the worst thing you could ever tell somebody is, I told you so. So I can never say that. I can't say I told you so. I could cry with you, but I'm not going to tell you I told you so. Right? And women get hurt all the time. There's nothing to talk about. So they're on a much higher spiritual level. But spirituality is emotion. That's the same world. It's the same world. Emotions and spirituality is the same world. So how do we get to this subject? I have no idea. Right? <laughs> but, there's, but there's a fight going on over here. Anyway. So, so you have to be careful. Don't... Just use your, use your mind, not only your heart. You have to think also when it comes to these things. A person has to think, and if it's wrong, it's wrong. And even if the boy is davening because of you, and he's learning because of you, and he has kibbut of aim because of you, doesn't give you right to do an Avera. And doesn't, doesn't give you right to do an Avera. And, and, and you shouldn't be fooled by that. At the end of the day, is he should be getting up for davening, because he should be getting up for davening. Not for you. You don't want to get married and be your husband's mother. Okay? So if this guy's getting up because of you and going to die because of you and putting tefillin because of you, guess what happens? When you get married, now he has you, he no longer has to put on tefillin. And I can't tell you how many girls that I know that their husbands stop going to Minyan and they dive and be yichidus for 10 minutes in the dining room and these girls are so upset about it because, yes, before they were getting married, he went to shul three times a day because she said, I will not date you unless you go to shul three times a day. So he went to shul for her. The minute he got her, we don't have to go to shul for her anymore. A guy has to go to shul, not for you. A guy has to go to shul for him. Has nothing to do with you, just like a girl. Okay, I have no idea who needed to hear this tonight. I don't know who. It is not, was not planned. It's not part of my shear. I don't know how it got here. But it's late, and I want, I want, to, I want to finish with the, the, the second question. So the second question is, the Malach, he asked the Malach, what's your name? And the Malach didn't answer him. So why didn't he answer him? And the answer is that the Malach did answer him. So there's two answers. One, he said, Mashmecha, what's your name? He said, Loma Tishalishmi, why are you asking my name? The Yitzhahara says, the bottom line is I'm the Yitzhahara, and every single year, every single generation, I'm a different Yitzhahara. So you're going to figure me out this time. Next time, next generation, like, I, I was never worried about cell phones when I was growing up. There was no such thing as internet or cell phones or DVDs. So there was no Yitzhahara, me growing up with all this stuff. We had other Yitzhaharas, right? We had television. 
which is not the Yetzirah today. So Yetzirah told Yaakov Avinu, you're going to figure me out? You think you're going to beat me? You're going to figure me out this generation? I'm coming to you next generation with new stuff. Even some of the girls in here, right? You had, growing up as a teenager, you had internet and DVDs, but you didn't have Snapshot and all this other garbage that's out there today, right? So how does Rebel Olsen know about that? Uh, I came out of my cave yesterday, actually, right? But, but seriously, right? We didn't, you didn't have, you didn't have all this stuff. So now, there's a new Yetzirah that the 13, 14 year old girl is having that when you were 13, 14 year old, you didn't have that. You had something else. So the Yetzirah told Yaakov, what am I going to tell you my name for? Avoid Zara? By the time, next generation is going to be something else. Therefore, I don't have to tell you my name. It's not going to make a difference. But there's another very beautiful Terence. And the other beautiful Terence is, that he did answer the question. He said, Ma'ashemecha, what's your name? And his answer was, Lamazet Tishal Shmi. My name is why ask questions. He answered him. He says, you want to know what the source of who I am is Nike. Just do it. Don't think about it. Don't think about the consequence. Don't ask any questions. You're in the mood? Do it. Party. Have a good time. Yeah, you figure it out later. By the way, that's how the whole credit card business was created. You go with a credit card, right? And you're like, oh my gosh, right? I don't have this money in the bank. How could I just, I just spent, I just bought a, how am I going to do that, right? And you're like, eh, I'll worry about it when the bill comes, right? So that's a person who's silly. Because when the bill comes, you're going to have a problem, right? So the whole credit card, the whole thing is built on, right? Just do it. Love is at this shop. Don't ask any questions. Spend the money. We'll figure it out when it happens. And then all of a sudden you're in big trouble. And you need personal bankruptcy and culture shalom. Your credit score goes down and then you can't buy a house and you can't do this. Oh my God, I, I maxed out my credit cards, right? That's what the HR was saying. Max out your credit cards. Max out your life. Just do it. Just party. So when Yaakov said, what's your source? What are you all about? He said, Mashmecha, what's your name? He said, I'll tell you my name. Lomazet Tishal. Lishmi, that's my name. My name is Party. Don't ask any questions. So that's why Yaakov didn't ask him again, what's your name? Because he actually answered him his name. Okay, so I want to end with this. If you get a chance, and you have internet, you should look at the Tuesday night share on this week's, the, the, what I gave last night, because there's a chidah in that share, which I wanted to say tonight, but it's not what was supposed to come out of my mouth, I guess. Um, there's an unbelievable chidah that's absolutely mind-boggling. It's a share that you, I never push a share. It's a share that you should see, and if you don't, you don't have internet, Baruch Hashem, you only have a phone, then um, you can go to Kala Lashon and hear the share. But I want to end with the story. I didn't bring my fish, because I had Rachmanus on you, but last night I didn't have Rachmanus. And if you want to watch a fish jump, you can watch last night. Or you're like, ooh, I wouldn't see such a thing. So I'm going to tell you what story I told last night and why I had my little chayal of fish with me. A little goldfish, she's very cute. She's very cute. It's a Gilgul. She has to do tshuva, so she has to go through this. Anyway, so Baruch Hashem, she's living and she's doing well. So the story was like this. So there's a bunch of fish at the bottom of the sea. Uh, sounds like a Disney, right? It's not a Disney. Yeah, it's not. There's a bunch of fish at the bottom of the sea and there's like two old fish and like hundreds of little baby fish. And the two old fish are giving a class to the little school of fish. Haha, <laughs> right? Rabbi joke, right? And the two fish, old fish are saying to the little fish, listen guys, are you wondering why there's only two of us? Where all the other fish went that were young once upon a time and only the two of us are alive? 
we're going to tell you why. Because all the other fish in our school, in our class, the other hundred fish, they wanted to see what's on the surface. Because they heard in the ocean there's no sound, and the colors on the surface, and the sun, there's warmth, and there's wind, and there's people, and there's action, and there's music. So all the other fish went to the surface, and there the evil human being was waiting with his nets, and he caught them, and he took them, and he ground them up, and he put carrots in them, and eggs, and sugar, and flour, rolled them up, and made them into gefilte fish. (laughs) And then some of our brethren, of our brothers, they took, and they pickled them, and they put them in schmaltz, and they made them into schmaltz herring, and pickled herring, and matches herring, and all these little fish, their eyes are like, woo, what a, what a story, right, right? He says, and then some of them, they didn't do that, so they weren't nice, and they just opened them up, took out their guts, and fried them in a pan, in hot oil, Right? We all do that, right? Show that you have, you've had fish. Like, maybe I'm not going to eat fish again, right? Okay. So these little fish are looking at these old fish and I'm like, ah, uh, we don't believe these crazy stories. Grind them up and put them in schmaltz and, and, and fry them up. You're just trying to scare us. And they're like, there's only two of us. Aren't you wondering why? So this one fish, the bad fish of all the fish, gets up and says, ah, these are old people. These are old fish. They just, they don't have it anymore. You know, it's the old rabbi. He's a, yeah, of course he doesn't have, he has a stupid flip phone. Ah, Wallstein, he's an old man. He's out of it, you know. We, iPhone, come on, you know. Right? So he says to all the other fish, I don't believe anything he's saying. Let's go up and let's find out what it's like to be on land. This other guy's like, but maybe he's right. I really don't like that story with the grinding. I don't like carrots, and I don't like eggs, and I, I, don't, I don't like that story. Maybe he's telling the truth. Okay, I have a great idea. This is what we're going to do. We're going to go to the surface, and we're going to look and see what's going on. And then we'll make the decision. Yay! They're all like, yes, you're brilliant. Okay. All the fish go to the surface. They come to the surface, and they see this big troll of this big boat, who just took a bunch of fish, like thousands of fish in the net. They're watching. All these fish are watching. And they see all these fish that are caught in the net. And they're like, ooh, let's see what happens now. And they take the net and they dump all the fish. Of course, there's no water. All the fish on the floor of the boat. And they're all looking to see, okay, now let's see what happens. Let's see if it's fun or not fun. And all of a sudden, all the fish that went into the boat start jumping. And the bad fish says, told you! It's a party! Look at them! Everybody's jumping! Wow! It's amazing! The earth is fat! I told you those old men were lying! I never saw fish have so much fun! We're just swimming around all day. These guys are hopping five feet into the air! That's what life is all about! Let's get into that boat! They're not jumping, they're dying. They're gasping for air. And one fish all of a sudden goes, whoop, like eight feet in the air. And they're like, holy cow, what a party that guy's having. But then he falls into the boat. So 
they all come to the surface and they're like, we want to dance, we want to jump. Oh, the fishermen are like, a school of tuna. They put their net out, they grab them all. And they're like, in the net, they're like, can't wait. They're going to put us in the party boat and we're going to be jumping. It's going to be so much fun. And they dump them in the boat and they start jumping and they're like, oh my God, this is not fun. I can't breathe. I'm choking. I'm dying. Oh my God, we're all dying. The old man was right. Too late. Three minutes later, they're all dead. So I have my little goldfish that I didn't do this to you tonight. And last night I took the little goldfish and I put it in my hand and I said, the story's great, but you need to watch it. You need to watch a fish jump. So I put this little goldfish in my hand like this and I said, this hand is the Sutton's hand. And the Sutton says, come on, come on all you people, jump out of the water. Mayim Zetaira, jump out of Yiddishkeit, be like the Goyim. They're partying. Look at their nightclubs. Everybody's partying. Music. The Oscars. The awards. The music awards. Ah, Hollywood. Come on. Come on. Jump. Jump out of the Torah. Jump out of the water. Jump into my hands. And that's what we do because it's so exciting. But Judaism is boring. Judaism is full of dust. What everybody else has. That's where the action is. Look at them. They're having such a good time. So we jump. And the Sutton says, now you're in my hand. You're not jumping, mister. You're dying. So I showed my class last night what it looks like when a neshama does averos and steps out of Yiddishkeit. And this poor little fish started hopping and bopping in my hand and opening its gills and opening its mouth and grabbing air. And my whole class was screaming, Put him back in the water, Rebbe! You can't do that! I said, no time, Malachim. No, it doesn't matter. We can't watch it. Put it back in the water. And I'm like, Chayel, are you ready to go back in the water? And of course I put it back in the water and she went swimming around and they were like, these are guys, they're like, oh my God, I can't believe you did that. <laughs> so I looked at all of them and I said, really? You have so much Rachmanus for a goldfish? What about all the kids that are smoking on Shabbos? What about all the kids that are off the derech? What about all the Jewish kids that are outside the water? And then their shamas look like this fish. How come nobody cares about them? How come nobody's worried about them? How come you're not sitting in your chair and saying, Oh my God, put them back in the water. Let's build yeshivas. Let's put money in. Let's get these kids back into the water. How come nobody cares? How come we can't raise $5 to help these kids? How come nobody cares about Jewish souls who are dying, but we care about a goldfish? How come? Because we don't understand what an neshama looks like when it's watching a movie or when it's touching a boy, or when it's wearing a miniskirt. We don't understand that that neshama looks like that goldfish, and it's trying to get ear, and it's trying to breathe, and it's dying! So we sit there, who cares? But a goldfish, you'd all send me emails tomorrow. You're mean? How could you do that? Maybe report me to Peter, whatever they're called, right? How do you do that to a little fish? But we're doing this to our kids, and we're doing it to Jewish souls. Nobody has a problem with it. But a goldfish, ooh, Rabbi Wallstein, put him back in the water. Well, it's time for all of us to start putting Jewish souls back in the water. Because guess what? If the stocking gets to hold the fish long enough, it's so dead that you put it back in the water, it doesn't help it anymore. Sometimes we let our kids go so far down that there's nothing to help them anymore. Chas
that's this week's Pasha, Dina. Dina went out to see what's happened to other guy and what's going on. She thought that she would see the beautiful world of style, and in the end she paid the ultimate price with Shem. It's this week's Pasha. Something I wanted to talk about tonight, but it's, it's too late. So, my bracha to everyone is, that HaKadosh Baruch Hu should take us, all of us that are out of the water, and put us back in the fish tank so that we could swim again and see Mashiach from Harry You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.